Friends, we come once again to this portion of God's Word in Romans chapter 8. And it's been it's the subject of prayer. Prayer of those who can call by God's grace the Father Abba, Father. It's those people who are called to pray. And they are privileged to pray. And here in verses 26 and 27, we looked at last time the matter of prayer, but especially in this context here, the apostle is talking about the, the difficulties that we face, the challenges that we face in prayer. And that is one of the things that we looked at the last time, the difficulties in prayer. Christians naturally would know that prayer is their heartbeat. It is their communion, com communion with God. Some people ask, well, should I pray more or read my Bible more? And when Spurgeon was asked such a question... He answered in this way, and he said, What is more important, and what is more vital, to breathe in or to breathe out? Both are necessary. Both are needful. And so he says, in the reading of the Word of God, we are breathing in the inspired Word. God is speaking to us. We take it in. And then when we breathe out, we expire the praises of God and the prayers to the Lord and our petitions. But it is not an easy thing. In this world, both of them are difficult. Not merely re reading of the Bible, not merely saying our prayers, but reading with understanding, blessed by the Spirit of God, and then prayer with understanding and sincerity and full heart, blessed by the Spirit too. There are natural difficulties we saw. But here the apostle talks about this difficulty that we all face because he says that in verse 26, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. This is our problem. We don't know what we ought to be praying for. Oftentimes we are in this conundrum, this difficulty. I don't know what, what I should be praying for. I don't know if this is the will of God or not. In many things in our lives, you will face this problem. Should I pray about this matter or not? And we looked at the fact that even our Lord Jesus Christ, He prayed about certain things that he, His own heart did not desire it. As a man, but he committed himself and submitted himself to the will of God. And we thought of those words, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That was his human desire. Nevertheless, he says, Not as I will, but as thou wilt. And there are many times in our lives when we want to pray about a matter, we have our own feelings and our thoughts about it. But we always have to come and submit to the will of God. If it is thy will. I will submit to thy will, O Lord. 
We know not what we ought to pray for. And maybe that is your case. So we looked at that the last time. We looked at being in this difficult position. But then we went on to think about the assistant that we have, the helper that we have. It says here in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So you have this difficulty, but then you have an assistant. You have a helper who comes alongside you and helps you through prayer. And how wonderful this is. And here it was that we more or less left off what it is to pray for with the help of the Holy Spirit. You see, the children of God have the Spirit of God. That's what we have already looked at previously in previous times that He is the Spirit of adoption. He has brought us into the kingdom of God and He indwells within the saints. And as we pray, it is the Spirit who helps our infirmity in this. As we pray, He comes alongside and he, we looked at we, and we thought of the idea of Him fixing our prayers. Our prayers are full of mistakes. The most eloquent prayer is oftentimes mixed with all kinds of lack of faith, which is sin. We pray and not really believing what we pray. Isn't that the case in history that Martin Luther used to have meetings that only children were allowed to come? Imagine having that, to say to all of the adults, you are not allowed, and it's only the children who will be allowed to come in. And why was that? People asked, they were not happy that adults were kept away. And he says, the problem is adults don't believe what they pray for. But children, when they pray, they mean it. And they expect it to happen. And you've all heard that illustration or that account, I don't know if it was true or not, of of the, the child who the father said that, well, let's pray about the rain to stop. Or, uh, sorry, it was the other way around. It was dry and the rain to fall. And so when they prayed, afterwards they were going to go out and the child said, well, let's take our umbrellas. And that that is the case, uh, that the, the Spirit of God helps us, helps even this infirmity of unbelief. But my friends, in this difficulty that we face, there's oftentimes groaning in our prayers. Oftentimes you hear other people praying and, and you're praying along with them and, and you're struggling in this, in this prayer and you, uh, you're sighing and you're groaning. And here we are told... Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit of God helps you when you're in the depth of despair. And at times it is that you are praying and everything around you is dark. You, You don't know what you ought to be even praying for. And the Spirit of God comes alongside you. 
strengthened you, encourages you. Somehow it is really afterwards, after maybe a day, two days, maybe a week, maybe a month later, you look back and you think to yourself, how did I get through that week? How did I get through that month? I'm still here. The Spirit of God has helped me through my prayers. Those unbelieving prayers that I prayed for, those confused prayers and those sighs and those tears that I shed, and I didn't know even if God heard me, yet somehow God did hear me, because I'm still here. I'm still trusting in the Lord. And this faith, this little faith that even I have, this weak faith that I have in the Lord, after some time of darkness and difficulty, who has sustained you? It has been the Father who has heard the fixed up prayers that you uttered up, which was fixed up by the Spirit of God, who helped you in your prayers. Then you were praying in, in the depth of despondency. When you prayed in your unbelief that you are praying about this, but you, can't, you don't believe that this will happen. The Lord will answer this thing. When all you could do was to groan. Friends, it's the believer who groans in this passage. It's not the Holy Spirit who is groaning. The Holy Spirit doesn't groan. When the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf, when He intercedes or, uh, uh, or when He presents our prayers before His Father in heaven to the first person of the Trinity, He's not praying with groanings. No, He, he, he speaks with divine eloquence. It's us who, who are groaning. It's us who, as we are being helped by the Spirit, we, we groan. Our words are mangled up. The Spirit doesn't groan. It's we who are doing the groaning. And that groaning, Paul is saying, when all you can do is groan and sigh. That groan is of the Holy Spirit. He understands you. He knows what it is that's troubling you. He helps you in vocalizing that, even in the shape and in the sound of a mere groan. And so your prayers that are badly expressed, you say some words and you can't finish the sentence. It is all with bad grammar. It's all kinds of things that you think, why did I pray like that? Why did I say those words? Prayers that are not really expressed at all. Prayers that are just longings and aspirations of, or, or just groans. And, and we thought about that, didn't we, last time? Some of you have ch children who have now grown up maybe, or maybe are still young, teenagers and young adults. Those have long gone from your homes. And, and you have desire to, for their salvation. And, and you find them in some kind of a trouble. You find them in difficulty and you want to pray for them. You want them to be spared from this difficulty that they are in. And you have this difficulty in your mind and trouble. I, I want the Lord to help them and bless them. But at the same time, you think, well, maybe it is through this trouble that they are going to be saved. It is through this tr trouble that they will be Awakened, and you don't know the mind of God. And so you don't know what to say about this matter. And so we often say that the will of the Lord be done. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. 
And when we think about it, and when we read in the scriptures, we are encouraged. It doesn't matter if, if, for me to know about those things, the will of God about those things. While I'm on my knees, while I'm praying, the important thing that I'm calling upon God, that's the important thing. The father loves to hear his children cry to him, even though they speak in jumbled up words and they don't know exactly what they're asking for. It is like a child who comes to you and asking for certain things and, and the very fact that he is coming to you, that's the thing that pleases you. Their desire that they, they need you about for something. And so the, the father has a, has a, a, a handle on his, the door that is at your reach. You can reach it. It was one of the Puritans, as I'm sure you, you know, William Gernal, who um, used to have his study door made in such a way that that the door handle was very low. And people asked him, why is there a door handle so low? He says, so my children can get access to me anytime they want. And, and, and that's a wonderful picture of prayer. You may be very uh, short, spiritually speaking. You may be very low, spiritually speaking. You may be on your knees. You may be crawling in your prayers. And yet, the door handle to the heart of God is very low. He is very gracious towards us. And He hears us. And here it, we read that the Spirit of God knows the will of God. He knows the mind of God. It says in, in verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit of God knows what's in our hearts, and the Spirit of God knows what is the will of God. So he knows everything. He is God. And, and that's our problem, isn't it? We don't know the will of God, ultimately. We don't know the secret decree of God. What he has decreed from eternity. And so we depend on the Spirit. If you are praying in the flesh, my friends, if you gather here or in your own homes, in your closet, and you are simply going and praying in the flesh, not sincerely, not looking to the Lord for help in your prayer, you're just going through the list of uh, and, and motions, that is not the way to pray. But you pray with dependence on the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God knows how to pray in accordance to, with the will of God because He is God. He is God. He knows the mind of God because He is God. And this is the thing, you see, that there are people who deny the, the deity of the Holy Spirit but all of these passages demonstrate to us that He is not a force. He is not an energy. The Spirit of God is a person. And we need Him. And even though you may be crawling, maybe you may be feeling you, you do not really want to pray, you don't know how to pray, we must pray. Because God has called us to those who are leading God's people, those who are teaching the Lord's people, those who are caring for the Lord's people, they must be men of prayer. Are you a praying man, praying woman? 
It is a sad, sad thing that prayer meetings are the lowest attended prayer meetings in any church. We are in sad times, my friends, when young men and young women, older ones too, do not see prayer meetings as the most important meeting of the week. And also their own prayer life. They don't see prayer as the most important thing in their day. One author, Leonard Ravenhill, he wasn't a reformed author, he wasn't a reformed man, but he said many good things. He wrote this in a book which I highly recommend to you. You have to leave the bones to one side and you eat the meat. but, uh, but the book is called Why Revival Tarries. It, it's an old classic. And you will read it and you think, well, I wouldn't say it like that and I wouldn't agree with such and such a thing. But then you read so many things and it challenges you, warms your heart, encourages you. And uh, I strongly recommend you, uh, with, with those uh, parentheses of, uh, of the theological issues in it. But he said this, There, in our prayer, is one main reason why we don't have awakening, he says, in England and in America. Because we are content to live without it, he says. Because we are content to live without it. We are content to live without a spiritual awakening in our church, in our gathering, in the land. And so he says that is why we are not seeking God. Because we are content. Life just goes on. We are happy for life to carry on as long as there is a little bit of activity here and there, as long as we hear some things from the pulpit and we are fed, all, uh, we are cared for. We are content without an awakening. We are content without revival. Are you content? Am I content? We need a stirring of our souls. We are seeking personal relief from trouble our own blessings, better ways to to do church work and evangelistic work. Uh, Many people seeking to get more people to come to places of worship and to to simply show up in, in services. But my friends, not seeking God for revival, that's a sad thing. That, that we may spend so much to advertise and to publish things and to, to hand out leaflets and to preach in the open air and all of those things to get the word out to people. But what about place of prayer? We have a prayer meeting. And I say to anyone who listens, make it a part of your weekly commitment. And I know I'm speaking to many of you here who are regular attenders but make it part of your weekly commitment to attend it and pray at it to pray along with others come prepared to pray come before the prayer meeting pray that God would bless you and God would bless the meeting God would visit us There were times that the Lord Jesus Christ blessed only certain individual areas and he passed over others. 
because they didn't want the blessing. They asked them to leave. And my friends, in, in, our, uh, in our life, we have to ask ourselves, in what way am I voting for the Lord? Am I voting for the, the spiritual things that takes place? And, and I fear that, that with, with, with various people, it shows that if certain meetings were closed down, people will be upset. And people would say, well, well, no, we need to have a prayer meeting. But then the, the question that needs to be asked, well, but people are voting with their feet that, that that meeting is not the most essential meeting for them. But that's the way it has become, my friends. May our prayer meetings never end. May we always have people who would want to be in that place where prayer is want to be made. Because also, it's not just about us. We have the Spirit with us. It's not just us gathering together. It's the Holy Spirit with us too who comes along to help us. May we be concerned, my friends, for the awakening of our congregation, the awakening of our own hearts. May I be concerned about the awakening of my own heart. My own lack of prayer. I was so convicted reading again words of John Wesley, a man who was spiritually minded. Again, he had his faults, some very major faults. He had uh, all kinds of things that we can point to and find fault with him. But he says he would not see a man is qualified for the ministry except he is a man who is praying before God for at least two hours a day. Now you find me a minister in this land who prays two hours a day. It is going to be rare. And then we wonder why we are in the state we are. Why it was that Wesley said, give me a hundred men who are men of prayer and who have the gospel burning in their hearts and we would transform United Kingdom, he said. And they did. They did by God's grace. Let us pr be praying for, for our own hearts. But let us be praying for our own prayers. It is easy, friends, to find fault with others. We, it is easy to, um, to think, well, what about others who are not here? But the Spirit of God is here. The Lord Jesus Christ has said He will be with those twos and threes. And you read the history of revivals throughout history. You, you find that it wasn't in great numbers that came together. It began with small groups who came together to pray. And in Northern Ireland, we had to study it. The 1859 revival in Northern Ireland, it was just a handful. Two or three old ladies in, in a barn meeting together, praying to God desperately that he would revive the land and he would raise up men of God. That's what we need again. Finally, the third thing that I want to say is this, the success of prayer. The success of prayer. So we not only have the struggle of prayer and the help of prayer or assistance to our prayers, but we have next 
the success of prayer. That every prayer, friends, that arises in the consciences of a believer is fixed and is made perfect on the way up by the Spirit of God and is presented before God as faultless and blameless and perfect. Why do I say that? Because the text says that the Spirit of God... He's the one who makes intercession for us. He's the one who helps this infirmity that we have. He's the one who helps us. And if he helps us, his help is perfect help. And his work is perfect work. And he presents all of these things perfect because of the blood of Christ as well. And that must encourage us, my friends. We pray faulty prayers. Weak prayers, faithless prayers, but the Spirit makes it perfect. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. But he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, let me say some words of application um, as we finish. Friends, if you find yourself tonight in a situation where you don't know what is the will of God about a certain matter and you're not sure what is God's will for you right now about some sort of work, a job, about your home, about things in in your family, about with your children, you're unclear about what the will of God is, then my friends, you are not alone. You are not the only one things like this and you are not a baby Christian it doesn't mean that you are immature I said to you the last time even the apostle Paul he prayed about things that were not the will of God but he prayed he prayed three times for that thorn in his side to be taken away but it wasn't the will of God you are just like the rest of us. You are just like all the other believers all throughout the world. In the times of revival, believers had trouble with prayer. They often find themselves in the same state of mind and life. This is part of the Christian life. So don't be discouraged about this. Don't be discouraged when you don't know what to pray for as you ought. When you don't know what is the will of God concerning this. But what you ought to be doing is remember you're part of this great cloud of witnesses. You're part of the Lord's people. And you're called to pray to the Lord. As the, at the, uh, in the best way that you can. Coming, bringing your petitions to God. Some of the choicest children of God have been here. And so friends... Our Lord Jesus Christ also has been here. We thought about that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He also prayed about something in his human flesh. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he changed and said this, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Torn as he seems to be between two paths, two choices, desire to do the will of God, but at, at the moment of whatever reason, you, you are, you're, there's this, this clouds of mist seems to descend upon you as it descended upon the human flesh or the human consciousness. 
of our Lord Jesus Christ as he utters those words. Friends, what, do you know what that means? It explains the words of the apostle in Hebrews 4 and verses 15 and 16, doesn't it? For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. This is another point. Yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What an encouragement that is, that our Lord Jesus Christ knows our infirmities. You find yourself tonight unsure what to pray for, unsure where, uh, you, which way you should go, wanting God's will to be done for sure. Then you are following in the footsteps not just of the Apostle Paul, but you're following in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. So I want you to see tonight that in our distress, in our trouble, in our heartache, it isn't just that God is with us. It's not like us saying, I'll be there for you. And I'm not sure exactly what we mean when we say, I'll be there for you. We would say it because it's, it's the nice thing to say, comforting thing to say, right thing to say. We, we mean or we, we think we mean what we are saying. But friends, it's more than that here. It's not just that the Spirit is there in the sense of being present. The Spirit understands you. Not just is there, but He understands you. He's with you. He knows the Spirit understands you. He knows what you should pray. Friends, you, you might speak to a wise friend about certain matters. You go and see them. You go and see how they work, how they live, how they sp and you spend some time away with them. And you begin to learn many things. You begin to learn many things that you should have done differently. You learn from them things that you, you now can do better. Now you know how to use certain tools that you never knew what those things were for. You find things and better ways that you ever knew you needed those things. Their conversation, that friend's life challenges you and calls you to attention. And, and you say, that is what I needed all along. And that's what the Spirit does in our praying. You don't know what you need, but He knows. And he'll, uh, He will show you. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will help you. That's what it means here. He helps. He helpeth our infirmities. So there is someone. You, you come here and you are all confused about matters. There's a helper here. There's a greatest counselor. And maybe there are Christians here and you are beside yourself. You are unable to know which way to turn. And do you realize, my friends, you have got two intercessors. You've got two intercessors. 
We have one intercessor, the scripture says, at the right hand of God, making intercession for us, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Our great high priest is at the right hand of God, making intercession. He's our advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous, the scripture says. And we have an intercessor in our hearts. And so it is, it is we have two advocates. When you're in trouble, you need to go to a good lawyer. Part of the reason we go to lawyers and advocates is someone who is your advocate, someone who can put the case better than you. Someone who can put the case better than you can put the case. Who can plead, who can argue better than you. In, who knows the situation, who, who knows what is the law. And you have two. The two persons of the Holy Trinity. The Son and the Spirit making intercession for you. And one of them is with you. And my friends, we do not just have a lawyer in the Holy Spirit. We, we have got the third person of the Trinity. God Himself. We have God Himself the Holy Spirit, in our hearts, pleading, interceding, fixing our prayers, giving us faith, helping us. And as we pray upwards, all of these things are sweet savors to our Father. What an encouragement it is then to pray. What an encouragement it is then to groan or sigh when speechless in the presence of God. What a privilege it is to gather with the saints and pray together. Well, may the Lord help us then. May, may the Lord fix in our hearts a true attitude of prayer, a true desire to pray. And not just here, but privately, in much time before the Lord. May the Lord help us then in these days. May <clears throat> you may have many things to do. Your life is very busy. But the best thing, the greatest thing you can do in the busy life is to pray. You have heard that anecdote of Martin Luther when Pope was writing all kinds of things against him and he was so busy and he was doing ten men's work. And when his life became harder and harder, the pressures became more and more, people realized he was coming out of his study later and later to get on with his work, to get on with his task, and people were waiting for him to get on with certain jobs and tasks and seeing people. And they said, why are you coming out of your room later and later? He says, because I've got, I have to pray more because I've got more work to do. Oh, that we might think like that too. May the Lord help us in our life of prayer.